Welcome spooks and spirits, ghouls and ghosts. Take a seat around the campfire. But beware, this podcast is haunted. Da 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 da! Bum. Uh, guys, at long last, today is the day. Guys, I'm back in the studio! I am not, but Jen is out in my studio. (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm moving one inch closer to you every episode. (laughs) I love that. That works for me. I'm like the woods of Dunsinane, sneaking up upon your window. Okay. You're too smart for my friendship because I do not know what you are referencing. Fucking Macbeth. Oh! uh, Isn't it pronounced Dunsany? Oh, I don't know. That's how they pronounce it in Hamilton. Well, there you go. <gasps> You're right. Yeah. Well, if so, we can't trust Lynn Manuel, who can we Lin trust? If Lynn Manuel Miranda has it wrong, then I don't. Then he, I don't care. Like, yeah, I don't think I've ever seen a production of Hamlet. I've re- or, of Macbeth. I've read it a couple times, but I've never seen like a oh. show put on. Interesting. You haven't seen there's a there's a Judy Dench Ian McKellen uh, version. That sounds magical. They, it. Mm, it, they're very good, but the entire uh, film is filmed within a black void. And oh my god, <laughs> I Artie. need some. I need some set pieces. I, yeah, if you have a Shakespearean piece to do, why would you ever strip down the set? I don't know. You know, I think I think it's they're making a statement like. Ooh, all you need is the words and the drama. Like, fuck off. No, right. give me something to look give at. Give me the costumes. <laughs> anyway, we're not here to talk about Shakespeare at all. There's our next podcast, though. This this podcast is Shakespearean. Didn't we talk about Shakespeare? I love Shakespeare. We, we talked about him haunting that. places. Yeah, we did. Yeah. Yeah. I love anyway, him. Anyway, <laughs> we're not here to talk about Shakespeare today. We are here to... Re- to we are revisiting a topic, though. Well... Kind of by popular demand, though. Well, like, we did set ourselves up for it, though, because the first time we talked about this topic, we were like, oh, we could do a whole episode on this. And, and we're I, and today's the day. And we, yeah, we didn't, we, we never brought it up again until I was, like, searching my brain for some, some ideas. And I was like, you know. You know what? You know, uh, what, we, you know what we haven't talked about? Gettysburg. It's time. We must cover. It's one of the most haunted places in America. And fucking rightly so. All of our American listeners just cream their jeans. And all of our uh, international listeners, bless you if you know what the hell we're even talking about. But if you don't, if you don't, I have a bunch of great movies for you. Ooh. I actually went through and made a list of my favorite Civil War movies. Okay. uh, Because I was raised by my father, who is a Civil War junkie. Yeah, every everyone's dad is either a Civil War dad or a World War II dad. They're, so, uh, yeah, mm-hmm. so you had a Civil War dad? Oh, Civil War. My father's man crush on Lincoln is mm. otherworldly. Oh, it's, it's actually a, a a podcast legend now because we've we've discussed. Yeah, this we've discussed times, it. It's true. Dan Reed fucking loves Abraham Lincoln, and and I find that very admirable. Mm-hmm. Um, like I have in my house right now, I, I collect magnets and I mm-hmm. definitely have, um, Abraham Lincoln magnet because <laughs> he was basically like the household hottie for my house growing up. I mean, he's not called Abraham Lincoln for nothing. It's so. true. 
I'll give him that. So uh, if you are unfamiliar with the American Civil War, I have a couple good films for you uh, and books. Um, so the film, the first film that I will recommend um, is called Gettysburg. I, di- I had no idea that there was a film just about Gettysburg. Girl, it stars. I haven't seen this. Yeah. Um, uh, Jeff Daniels, Michigan legend. I believe he plays oh, Robert E. Him. Lee. Oh, okay. It's well, been a, yeah, he plays a Confederate. Got it, I guess. <laughs> I know. It's, yeah. Um, and then I will also highly, highly recommend the film Glory with Matthew oh, Broderick and Denzel Washington. That's what I was going to bring up because yeah. I love that movie. It's one of the greatest Civil War movies. It's it's very faithfully created. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is acted wonderfully. The story is compelling. Uh, yeah, the, Glory's the a great race film. relations are somewhat romanticized, but you know. <laughs> yeah. Um, I will. Speaking of romanticized, Cold Mountain. Ooh, I like I Cold Mountain. Saw that a long time ago. It's. I can't, I can't remember. If you can put up with Renee it. Zellweger, <laughs> which admittedly I cannot always. It's yeah, a very good film, and it does show. Her in Chicago is great. Yeah, um, she's great in Chicago. Some movies are not so great. So but on the other hand, her. Roxy Hart is supposed to be the most annoying character ever created. Well and cast. Renee I'm Zellweger sorry. does it perfectly. Apolog- yeah, apologies to Renee Zellweger. Um, she's probably uh, a perfectly lovely person. That's probably um, true. Um, actually, I bet you she's not. super nice. I don't know. Yeah, she probably is. Yeah. I- honestly, most people who, like, even Kim Kardashian is apparently pretty nice. Like, I believe that. Yeah. I, I have a feeling most people who get, like, you like get very famous you have to be nice because you're surrounded by people all the time there's like certain people who you would expect to be really nice who are secret assholes like turns out anna kendrick is an asshole i know it made me really sad that made me so sad i like i i saw tiktok about it and i was like well i I believe you but i'm very heartbroken about this and i just like very sadly went over to twitter and just ceremoniously pressed unfollow i was like i can't support this oh you're a better person than me i haven't unfollowed her yet i still love her i realized just recently that i was still following her on instagram and i was like in the arms of (laughs) okay so speaking of angels Yes. Uh, this so Cold Mountain is very much a story about the war on the home front. Um, mm. It is also a romance, so be prepared for that. Um, oh, there's always going to be romance. I mean, look at Titanic. Right. Um, <laughs> but there is uh, the if you want to kind of get away from most romance, there is Little Women, which also uh, captures um, some of the life of women on the home front uh, during the Civil War. Um, and then similarly, but on the opposite side of that, is the book March. So March is the story of the father of the little uh-huh. women who's away at the war. Geraldine oh. Brooks. It's Geraldine Brooks. Um, okay. Geraldine Brooks is, if you're into historic fiction, she's basically the best i don't know i can't even like she's the michael (laughs) jordan of if you like historical fiction she is good she's real good um she writes uh she she does a great deal of research Uh, my favorite book by her is of course about the black plague it's called year of wonders uh about the 1666 plague that attacked um i was just gonna ask i was like which which year right yes uh it matters (laughs) so um yeah she is she's utterly fantastic she writes very compelling fiction but is very firmly rooted in um the human experience of these like very real events. So mm. March, she takes the fictitious character of the father of the, our little women, 
um, Mr. March. And uh, what's his name? Odenkirk. Bob Odenkirk. Bob Odenkirk. That's right. Actually, he did very well at that role, and he I was did. not expecting that from I mean, it's a Better very Call small Saul. Role, yeah. It was. Well, anyway, he was familiar. He was like, "Oh, <laughs> the new Little Women is a delight. I enjoyed it very much. I, I enjoyed it a lot. I still have a special place in my heart for the '90s version, though. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. I think the score, the score in the '90s version, is better, in my opinion." I can live with that. Okay. Um, there's also a, uh, this is a view of the Confederate side. It's called Widow of the South. I read it with my book club um, at mm. the recommendation of one of my septuagenarians. I believe there's also a classic uh, Dear America <laughs> book. Oh, about, there probably is. I haven't read that about one. About a girl who lives in the South. I, I remember reading that. It was, uh, it was pretty good. Depending on where you were in the South, you saw some shit. Yeah. Um, ooh, and then if you're looking ooh. for something that's a little more accurate and a little more um, uh-huh. scholarly, the book is called Last Full Measure. Mm. And of course, the granddaddy of all things, Civil War by Ken Burns. Oh, my God. The 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 be all end all of Civil War content. It's true. Um, also has a very good score. Also, I was going to I, I was uh, shouting in delight because I just remembered about the movie uh, The Beguiled. Um, oh, yeah, that was surprisingly good. One. Mm-hmm. And and has many iterations. I have now seen both the, I think, what, Robert Redford version? No, not Robert uh, Redford. Clint Eastwood. Okay. And then also... Um, the new one? The Irish Guy with Nicole Kidman. Yes. Who uh, is the Irish Guy? Colin Farrell. That's the one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Thank you for... I know no- it's, like a, it's like a combination of different famous people's names. It's like one of those, like, Martin Freeman that you always, like, get. Confused. Like, do I have the right guy? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so Colin Farrell, yes, because yeah. I always want to say Colin Firth because that's my like go-to Colin. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, so Colin Farrell mm-hmm. uh, is uh, used to be a shit and is now like the most delightful person apparently. Good. Mm-hmm. That I thank God because I like him. Yeah. He he. From from what I understand, and this is just hearsay, you know, like I really don't keep up on star things very much. But he started. Yeah. He had a son uh, accidentally. He he didn't intend to have a child, oh, and okay. um, the son ended up being uh, disabled in many ways. Mm-hmm. And it has completely revolutionized the way Colin Farrell looks at the world, apparently. Oh. And he does a great deal of charities, uh, charity work for children mm-hmm. now. Um, and so like that's where he stopped doing movies. That were like hugely violent and started getting mm. into things like um, Saving Mr. Banks. Okay. So I just, I don't know. I find him refreshing. I like nice yeah. people. Yeah. He's, okay. Yeah. So speaking of nice people, let's talk about the Civil War. <laughs> <laughs> let's talk about killing off nice people. Yeah. Yeah. So we have, we have discussed the Civil War before. So we hopefully aren't repeating ourselves too much. Um, but I also so. don't want to leave out or take like so much of an american bias that other people don't know what we're talking about if they weren't raised on american history yeah so you're if it's been a while or you're unfamiliar or you're just tuning in for the first time we will explain it to you because we try not to be dicks uh, u.s centric right all right so uh the first thing i want to talk about is the various reasons for war um, sometimes you will hear a narrative, especially in Republican circles, <laughs> hotly <of> debated, <laughs> about how the Civil War was not about slavery. Oh, it was, in no. fact, about states' rights. States' rights. Now, to be fair, I did. Okay, so this, yeah, this kind of messed me up um, because I, the, when you're a student of history, you you take more and more advanced classes in history. 
uh, you do learn that the world is more complicated uh, than elementary school makes it out to be. Yes. Um, and so you do learn that it's that, it, you know, it's not it's not a, quite as simple as like everyone was like slavery or no slavery. And that's it. And that's how we got into a civil war. However, <laughs> so it's more complicated than that. But people who, who argue that, oh, it wasn't about slavery. Uh, they're pushing an agenda they're pushing an agenda and they're kind of wrong yeah so So just briefly um, slaves were moved from africa against their will in awful conditions once they were here they did not have rights or protections uh they were as if they were a toaster or a piece of farm equipment people could use them however they wanted yeah we call it chattel slavery which is like you're treating them like you treat your farm working animals exactly um and that's you know, human beings. You're not supposed to do that. Um, and and slavery. A lot of people will point out, oh, it wasn't always racialized, but it was very quickly racialized in the colonies. So yes, absolutely. So yes. Um, so time and again, uh, people used the quote unquote reasoning that uh, black people were not as capable. Um, they did not have learning or Christian religion, so therefore it didn't matter. Anyway, we have proven time and time again that that's just not true. Yeah. Horse apples. Um, People did. uh, Photography was a brand new um, medium. Medium. Thank you. 1840. Uh, Good job (laughs) at this time. (laughs) Uh, And photography was actually used by um, some abolitionists to capture some of the horrors of slavery. Mm. Uh, So there are images that do exist uh, showing whip marks on a Mm. back um, and it it is accurate to what happened um you know photographs don't lie so with that um people started getting energized when they saw these photographs they saw the cruelty it was brought to their front door in the north uh where it was harder to ignore yeah yeah and you also have like frederick Douglass and other absolutely famous um, orators of the time self-emancipated um people uh, harriet tubman who have who escaped and were like, yo, it's messed up down there. <laughs> right. Now, we will also talk about states' rights, though. Um, mm-hmm. So the United States is a confederation, a, a grouping of states. Each state has a government of their own, as well as yeah. bowing to the larger federal government. And there yeah. are some gray areas in between there. Um, for example, in the state of Michigan, marijuana is legal. You can have Just up now, to, right? Or wait, uh, no, wait, no. For a couple of years now, since like 2016, now. I think. I pass a weed shop every day. Yeah, you do. Emerald City. <laughs> um, so the the state, the state of Michigan has declared not only is marijuana legal for adult use over the age of 21. Mm-hmm. I was thinking can, of New York. New York just legalized it. Oh, yes, I'm sure. Wisconsin hasn't yet. Oh. Wisconsin, you can't even get medical marijuana. Um, I know. <laughs> Wisconsin's a little backwater. And I can say that because I'm from there and my family still lives there. So there you go. There you go. <laughs> anyway, um, so the federal government uh, controls things on a different list. So if you are arrested by a federal officer and you have marijuana in your possession, it's a gray area as to whether or not you'll be charged yeah. on the federal crime of possessing and owning a Title I controlled drug. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyways, these states' rights. Uh, it's true that the states could make their own laws in their own state and that federal laws can support or go against those laws. So it's a little confusing. Um, One of the questions though, is that if the laws of your state are maintained when you travel, for example, if it is legal in Kentucky to own a slave, but it is not legal in Michigan and you travel to Michigan with your slave, 
are they free by virtue of being a free state? And that was a good question, and it hadn't been settled yet. Um, Mm -hmm. So in addition to that, uh, the South also believed that the Constitution was an agreement. It wasn't binding. If they wanted out, if they wanted to unratify and leave the Union, they -hmm. should have that right. Yeah. The North did mm -hmm. not think that, largely. Yeah, yeah. The North was, on the whole, more uh, pro-federal government. And the South was more pro-states' rights. And that goes back to the founding of the country. And And you'll find that it still largely holds true today. It has, they say a lot about that. And yeah, it is, it is kind of broadly that way still. Um, You'll always find exceptions state to state, but yeah. Certainly. Well, another thing I want to talk about is some of the economic differences between the North and the South. Mm. By and large, most of the United States population lived in the North. Uh, Mm -hmm. The North had tightly, densely packed cities. Um, They were more industrial, urban, uh, with these large population centers. They did not have slavery and they didn't need it because they had technology like uh, some of the new factories to create, uh, for example, shirts. Yeah. However, it is very important to acknowledge that the North was still very dependent on slave labor, uh, largely because that was the source of their raw materials. Absolutely. It was not financially beneficial to allow the South to leave. All those cotton mills in Massachusetts and Maine, where does the cotton get grown? (laughs) It gets grown in the South. And so if slavery ends, uh, the price of cotton increases and so that's like yeah Bad for everybody's the, the, bottom the, line yeah there was a lot of abolition the abolition was strongest obviously in the north but it's important to to acknowledge that the north was also dependent on the system of slavery yes in a lot of ways and i also want while we're discussing abolition which is the term if you are anti-slavery that did not mean you were not a racist Mm-hmm. There's still a lot of northern abolitionists who were deep racists. Uh, for example, Susan B. Anthony. Yes. Susan yeah, B. Anthony said of, vile things about African Americans and black a, people a in general. A lot of early suffrage uh, movements are very racist. Yes. Yay. Um. So <laughs> both of these sides needed each other, though. The South needed a market for their cotton. The North needed cotton for their raw materials and their plants. Uh, All of their taxes would go and benefit the Union, and it was not in either group's best interest to actually leave the Union, but other issues came into play. Um, We also, at this point in time in American history, are expanding westward, and we're coming into what's known as the territorial crisis. As the U.S. is expanding, there was a decision, is every new state that's going to come in, is it going to be a slave state or a free state? Mm. Is there going to be more of them or more of us? Yeah. And so both power, both wanted the power in Congress to stay on their side so that they could see things go their way. Uh, which brings us to Abraham Lincoln. Abraham Everyone's Lincoln. favorite. Mm-hmm. Abraham Lincoln no. what, did not run on an anti-slavery movement. He mm-hmm. actually stayed away from the subject of slavery a lot because it would be yeah. like talking about gun regulation today. I feel like kind of like politically he has a lot of similarities to joe biden (laughs) where he's kind of like i don't really want to touch that subject can't we all just get along i think that's actually pretty fair yeah um and my father loves joe biden too so yeah anyway um lincoln was though an abolitionist and it really starts to creep in 
uh, mm-hmm. as things stretch on. People knew who he was. He knew They knew right. that he was an abolitionist, even though he was trying to keep it quiet in his run for presidency. Sure, yeah. He was like, oh, I, I don't want to say anything about this publicly, but in private. like Right. And what it really was, his public stance was about the preservation of the Union, mm-hmm. keeping the North and South together for the economic and social benefit of both, um, mm-hmm. which is valid. Um, so Lincoln, though, uh, when Lincoln was elected in 1860... Pretty much the South started seceding right away. Yeah. Whoops. Uh, In fact, seven states seceded between December of 1860 and May of 1861, and they include South Carolina, Mississippi, Florida, Alabama, Georgia, Louisiana, and Texas. Uh, Those seven founded the Confederate States of America, and they elected Jefferson Davis as their president. I'm resisting Uh, the urge to try a Southern accent (laughs) Fair enough. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna lean into it. In the okay. following months, Virginia, Arkansas, North Carolina, and Tennessee would join the Confederacy. Oh no! All northern states and territories, uh, rich in population and resources, remained loyal to the Union. Ah, okay, Frank Underwood. <laughs> Thank you. Um, border states were contentious areas, so when you get into places that were new states uh, mm-hmm. or states that were right along the edge of the Mason-Dixon line, yeah. uh, people had very deeply divided sympathies and they went both ways. Southern forces and Northern forces would constantly battle over those territories. Right. Which brings us to the first battle of the war, which is Fort Sumter. Mm. Uh, Fort Sumter yeah. was an attack on a, it was a union held fort uh, mm. in a territory of South Carolina, the most deeply held um, the first Confederate, they were the first out. Yeah, when you think of the Confederacy, think South Carolina. That yeah. was really like the, the heart. Of the, yeah. Yeah. That was where the capital was, right? I believe so. Okay. Um, I'm proud to say, though, that I'm not really confident because I do not because, care about the Confederacy. Yeah, listen, as much as we do, we do not want to uh, stereotype the entire South. However, the Confederacy can just fuck right off. <laughs> yep. Um, so the attack uh, was ordered by Jefferson Davis. Um, it started April 12th to April 13th of 1861. Uh, they basically fired cannons uh, at Fort Sumter, which is a sea-based fort. Mm-hmm. Um, when the action began, both armies were actually relatively small. Uh, so pre-secession, the total army was just 16,000 men for America. We were not the Whoa. military stronghold that we are now. Can you imagine? So when the sides began to mobilize and build their armies, each garnered a volunteer army of about 100,000 men. Okay. Uh, As the war progressed, it was very difficult to maintain those numbers, especially in the South. Mm -hmm. Um, So they started offering cash incentives, uh, Mm -hmm. which was very attractive to immigrants who were flooding into the country. You know, this is the time where, like, Italians and Irish are, Mm -hmm. the Irish especially were fleeing the famine. Uh, no, the yeah. famine was before this. They had already fled. It was 1840s was a famine, right? But yes, yes. Sorry. That's, Sorry about that's that. Only, that's barely a generation ago, though. So. Right. It's not a huge time. Like, Queen Victoria is still on the throne here. Yeah. Um, so I anyways. Mean, she lived forever, but, you know. <laughs> That's also true. Uh, <laughs> there was also ex-slaves. Uh, they were heavily recruited following the Emancipation Proclamation, and eventually both the Union and the Confederacy would maintain a draft. Uh, one of the, I believe, the first actual draft in American history. That would, that, that makes sense because I believe that's that, correct. The wars are pretty small. minor. Not, you know, there's the Mexican War, the War of eighteen twelve, and that's kind. 
kind of it. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to skip over the major battles. We're going to we're going to stick to just talking about Gettysburg today. Listen, we are not military historians. Yeah. Um, not my all bag. All disrespect to military historians. Because oh, no. Except for my friend Lama, who's the best. <laughs> okay. I find certain things about war history very fascinating. Um, but troop movements and, like, supply lines and, like, tactics absolutely not yeah <laughs> i don't care i can understand that yeah. um so some of the things that uh, both the north and the south, south soldiers uh were affected um by were some of the weaponry that they used bayonets were very common a bayonet mm-hmm. is um a fixture that you attach to the end of a rifle and it is a frequently triangle shaped sword that very you would stabby. use very stabby um mm-hmm. and it's one of the most difficult sutures to make it's it's a puncture wound uh Uh more than like a blade is a slash um so rather than having like exactly you put it's a big asshole it's not a gash Mm -hmm. it's not a small joke Mm -hmm. um so they were violent they often had rough edges uh the wounds were difficult to stitch uh two-thirds of the people who died actually died of medical treatment Um, Mm -hmm. being poor rather than of the actual injuries themselves. Um, They also often carried knapsacks. Uh, So those knapsacks, which you see in Civil War imagery, uh, Mm -hmm. being laden down with all this different weighted stuff. Um, Usually within this, they would keep a small tent, a waterproof canvas sheet, uh, and that it was made waterproof with um, tar and pitch uh, being mixed onto the canvas. What? That's stiff as hell. It's also incredibly toxic. Oh, I didn't know that. Yep. You should not breathe in a whole lot of tar. <laughs> well, okay, yeah, that makes sense. But yeah. Um, they also would have had wool coats. Uh, wool is great for when you're fighting in the north or if it's um, dry and yeah. cold. But if yeah. it's wet or hot. Hot, hot and swampy. Yeah. Also, wool uh, was diffi- difficult to provision. Um, because there's not as many sheep in America. We are more of a right. Yeah, we're cotton, cotton growing. Yep. Um, so coats, um, they were expected to be dressed pretty much to the nines, uh, like in a full coat, shirt sleeves, mm-hmm. suspenders, pants, boots, socks, uh, high collars, shirt sleeves all the way down. Yeah. Um, this was kind of a gentleman's war. War was considered a gentlemanly thing, and that you should be dressed up to go yeah. and kill somebody i feel like the civil the american civil war and like world war one have very similar vibes of like oh we're just gonna keep fighting the way we've always fought and then the technology is like well then you're going to die right <laughs> i think that's especially true of the british redcoats who mm. wore blaze red with a big white x across their chest oh yeah <laughs> I just, think yeah. it through guys shoot, think it through here right um, they also often had to keep their canteens. Water was really important and it was not always a resource that was readily available, uh, depending on where you were for the battlefield. Um, canteens were usually metal, but not always. Uh, you get what you got. Um, one of the best things, it's an unusual technology, but they would wrap the canteens in wool. And the function of that, uh, you have a metal canteen wrapped in wool. When you dip your canteen down into, say, a well or a bucket or a stream, uh, as the wool dries, it creates an effect that keeps the water cold. Oh, okay. isn't that fascinating? Yeah, that is. That's interesting. Um, do to do. Uh, they were also responsible for carrying their own ammo boxes. Uh, so each soldier would keep in his tent an ammo box. Mm-hmm. When the ammo box was filled with cartridges, it weighed about seventy pounds. 
Wow. Yeah. Now, they wouldn't carry that into battle. They would stuff um, pockets and pouches uh, specifically for uh, preloaded gunpowder cartridges. Okay. That they typically had to spend their evenings often making themselves because there weren't uh, readily available mass-produced bullets. Sitting around the fire, drinking chicory coffee. Ugh. Making your, making your little sashes. That's right. Um, so once the ammo box was empty because it was made of wood, that was they didn't have anything lighter, uh, they would chop it up for firewood or they would use it for furniture around the camp. Hmm. Okay. Um, so soldiers had a lot of responsibilities. They were responsible for digging trenches, marching, uh, of course, battle. They also took on other duties. Uh, so if they were clearing fields for citizens uh, in hardship, they were taking care of prisoners. They were foraging for food and supplies because supply lines were frequently interrupted as yeah. a war tactic. Yeah. And that's also like there, there's some interesting things in that where like uh, the North had a lot of already built infrastructure like rail lines which really helped them out a lot uh where the south did not um also uh taking care of prisoners is a very loose term because there's some very notorious prisoner of war uh prisons uh like andersonville yes uh, which i bet is haunted as fuck yeah Uh, how we not covered that i don't know well i guess we're signing ourselves up for another there you (laughs) go round of this um yeah, and also uh, in the South, they uh, did a lot of pressing of enslaved people into service for all of these tasks. So. They also, uh, in addition to pressing enslaved people, if they captured a northern territory and they came across mm-hmm. freed black people, oh yeah, mm-hmm. surprise, now you're a slave. Yay! Disgusting. <laughs> So anyways, uh, eventually the war would have to come to an end in 1865. Organized forces from the North really just decimated the South. The South truly had no business getting into this fight. Um, They they didn't have the money. They didn't have the supply lines. They didn't have the population. They had a a few good generals. They had a lot of fighting spirit, but that was basically it. Yeah. The North, like starting at Gettysburg which is really considered the turning point of the war, yeah. uh, the North just creamed the South. Now, to be fair, yeah, like this before Gettysburg, the South was doing like way better than they should have. Right, and much better than anticipated. Much better than anticipated. And uh, a lot of that is also due to uh, Northern incompetence. Like I said, the, yeah. the South the South did have good generals. Robert E. Lee was probably the best general in the U.S. Army before uh, he uh, defected. Uh, and, and a lot of the northern generals, this is before, like, U.S. Grant joined um, or mm-hmm. was promoted or whatever. I don't know the full story. But, uh, like, General McClellan was horrible. Yes. <laughs> so. He got yeah. demoted twice. So. He, he was such a piece of shit. Also, like, there's so many letters complaining about him in the Ken Burns documentary. It's really yes. funny. So anyways, uh, Lee, Robert E. Lee eventually surrenders uh, April 9th, 1865, which is just three days from now. Oh. Um, today's April 6th. I uh, did think about that broadly because it's across five Aprils, right? That's, yes. That's yep, the, exactly. Across five Aprils. Um, so it was very clear the Union had, had them surrounded. Further war was hopeless. Uh, Confederate forces in all the theaters uh, surrendered as soon as they got n- n- new. Sorry, as soon as they got news of Lee's surrender. 
Mm-hmm. Um, although that did not stop the personal attack on Abraham Lincoln by John Wilkes Booth and the other con- conspirators. Uh, yeah. That was April 14th of 1865. Noted piece of shit, John Wilkes Booth. <laughs> yes. Um, he actually, uh, Lincoln would not die until the 15th, the following day, tax day. Mm-hmm. And I have seen his autopsy report. Awesome. Um, so <laughs> the war had a number of different effects. Uh, the North actually grew rich from mobilization. They opened up further supply lines and made a lot of money on the war. Um, the South became effectively crippled. Uh, yeah. conf- the Confederate dollar, um, it was never backed by physical gold. It was worthless. It was just a piece of paper. Yeah. Also, uh, William T. Sherman burnt down half of it. Of yep. South, so. Yeah, he did. Sorry. Sorry. Sorry, the South. That was probably neat, mean. Okay. That was, it was a little mean. I'm not going to lie. It was a little mean. Sorry. Um, I'm Northern. My whole family's Northern. We take yeah. the union very seriously. My father is a Lincolnist. Yeah. So you can appreciate why. I've, I've been to a... Uh, South Carolina, and they're like, oh, this is, you know, this was burnt in the Civil War. This was- <laughs> right. Like, basically, <laughs> it was turned to ash. Uh, and that's not great. That's not a great practice, especially um, because we're still kind of dealing with some of the fallout of that today. It's arguably a very controversial thing to have for Sherman to have done. Yep. And I will acknowledge that. It's basically, I think, the Civil War version of the atom bomb. Of yeah, like, I think that's fair. He salted the actual fields. Yeah, he really, he went hard. Yeah. And maybe he didn't have to, but he did. <laughs> so speaking of going hard, uh, the Civil War produced 1,030,000 casualties, uh, which is 3% of our nation's population at the time. Uh, of those, 620,000 were soldiers and the rest were civilians. The civilians were not Damn. kept out of this. Wow. Mm-hmm. Uh, of the soldiers' deaths, two-thirds were from disease, like I said. Uh, this was primarily because doctors at the time did not know about germ theory. Uh, oh, they didn't yeah. know about the importance of clean tools and clean hands. Uh, doctors' Ugh. kits uh, were not cleaned between use. So you would use a bone saw on one leg and then go use it on somebody else's shoulders without cleaning it in between. Mm-hmm. Field amputations were very common. Yeah. Um, and infection spread rapidly. Uh So eventually Reconstruction, which included the 13th, 14th, and 15th Amendments, uh, which codify freedom and... I don't want to say equality because we're not there yet. Well, honestly, like for a little while, it was pretty good. Yeah. Until... Until... Until we started, you know, voting laws, regulations, and stuff like that. Yeah, until Jim Crow came back. Things that we are still doing today as a nation. There was a bunch of retaliatory laws uh, passed uh, to curtail the the good effects of reconstruction so yep yeah (laughs) so uh the idea is that they these that reconstruction era made it so that this kind of war a civil war in the united states would never be would never be possible again Mm -hmm. um and yet (laughs) we'll see uh so the civil war like i said Across five Aprils, April 12th, 1861 to April 9th, 1865. Um, Right in the center of that timeline is Gettysburg. Gettysburg Mm. was fought over three days, July 1st, Mm -hmm. 2nd, and 3rd of 1863. Kind of dead center in the middle of the Civil War. Yeah. Um, As far as turning points go. As far as turning points go. Yeah. It's a well-placed one. (laughs) Uh, So it is actually the largest uh, battle of casualties. So there, there was no other war that killed more people. Or maimed mm. more people. I do yeah. want to briefly address the difference between a casualty and a fatality. Ooh, good. So a casualty is um, a very frequent uh, number that we come across when we're looking at these statistics. 
and it says, oh, you know, like we lost this many people. But that's really not the case. It's not that they all died. It's that they were made incapable of fighting further. Sure. So whether they were buried in the ground and detracted from the Union Army roles or Mm -hmm. they lost both their arms and now they can't lift a rifle... Yeah, they're yeah, no I good wrote to the down army. That incl- uh, casualties includes dead, wounded, captured, and missing. Exactly. Um, so this is the largest number of ca- of casualties. It also is the most generals who ever die on one field. Oh, I know. Um, Very fancy. <laughs> that's, right. that's right. We're getting we're getting the swells now, honor. not just the poor kids dying in this Hell war. Hell yeah. So, anyways, uh, like I said, this war was a turning point. Up until this point. Uh, The South was very much holding their own. And after this, it's a very decisive Union victory. Mm -hmm. Um, It halted Robert E. Lee's northern invasion. Uh, Mm -hmm. And the following day, Vicksburg falls uh, to the South. Yeah, or falls to the... Sorry, they're... northern. I mean, Vicksburg is in the South and it fell. But it fell to northern power. It falls in favor of the North. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Does that make sense? Yes. Okay, thank you. Sorry, that was not clear. So thank we you. have two decisive northern victories days apart, and so that that's why it's considered a, a turning point. At the time, Gettysburg was not considered a big deal. Um, in fact, uh, one of the reasons that Gettysburg was a target at all was because um, the South was in need of boots. Uh, oh. Gettys- yeah, Gettysburg ha- has a shoe factory. Oh, okay. And yeah. um, the South was already running out of supplies, but they were trying to keep it quiet. So one of the reasons that they reached this far north into Pennsylvania was because of that cache of boots that they could put yeah. on their soldiers. Their soldiers were wrapping their feet in rags, yeah. um, sometimes yeah, they, dipped in tar. They were not well equipped. Um, they were not. They had no business getting into this fight. Yeah. And the north also made sure that they stayed that way by blockading. Yeah. The entire south. Yes. Yes. Uh, the naval impact of the Civil War cannot be understated. We'd spend a lot of time talking about like the land battles, but blocking all the ports of the South mm-hmm. economically crippled the South in ways that are still being felt today. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> um, so of this one battle, uh, they're unsure if it is 46,000 casualties or 51,000 casualties, mm-hmm. but the number is somewhere in there. Uh, a number of those casualties were actually defections, people who were so frightened uh, by the incredibly violent and bloody nature of this one battle that they left. They decided to quit the war. It was too much. Yeah, I could see that. Uh, soldiers wrote accounts of it that said um, the lead was flying so thick you could put your hat out like you were catching rain. Mm-hmm. Um, also, I think it shouldn't. it can't be understated that this battle was very much fought hand-to-hand in many places. Mm-hmm. Uh, the battle, the north and the south, uh, the lines were so close to one another that frequently you were firing your rifle uh, effectively point-blank at another person. Um, they Like, each each gun could touch the tip of the other gun. They were that close. Sure. Um, so... Yeah, it was just a lot of dead people. It was so many dead people. So many. Um, the, the, the South comes away defeated. Uh, they do not get to the boots. And, uh, no boots for you. No boots for you. Uh, so with Vicksburg falling the next day, uh, it really dispirited the South quite a bit. Um, they felt like maybe God wasn't on their side. Uh, one of their generals years later was asked uh, why the Confederates lost at Gettysburg. And he says, quote, I always thought the Yankees had something to do with it. 
Ah, ah, <laughs> oh, shit. Oh, that made no. me laugh. That is, uh, oh, that's very good. But yeah. also, oh. <laughs> um, some of the main fighting was actually done between the 20th uh, main battalion and the 15th of alabama mm-hmm. and an interesting fact that ken burns brought up because i rewatched the gettysburg episode today of course you did oh, i like God, to research i gotta, gotta re watch that it is a fucking good series it is that. it's like 26 years old now though That's it's a little like it's starting to feel a little dated well i can see that because thinking back on the way they filmed it uh it's just there's a reason why it's called the ken burns effect in mm-hmm. iTunes. it's because it's all they do well, anyway, so the 20th of Maine is Presque Isle, Maine. They were fishermen, primarily. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the um, 15th of Alabama, they were from Talladega, Alabama. Talladega. Uh, Talladega. Uh, if you draw a line between Talladega and Presque Isle, Maine, yes. basically Gettysburg is right in the center on a straight oh. line. Cute. I know. It's almost <laughs> fatalist a little bit. Yeah. yeah a little bit. So each group traveled 650 miles to try and kill the other group. <laughs> wild yeah yeah mm-hmm. um so this show is not called this podcast is naval history or whatever this podcast we drone on about uh <laughs> right. how much we are interested in the civil war and the thing is i really am i fucking love oh, the civil it's war it's so interesting god it i forget is. how much i love the civil war in an academic sense <laughs> yes yes um so i want to tell you about some of the hauntings now um when we talk about the battle of gettysburg it is not yeah. fought in a single location have it you ever is... been to gettysburg i have not i want to go I so have... bad so i have yes uh and i gotta say when i was there it was not i was uh, tagging along on a like a school trip of my brothers uh-huh. and uh we we went to all the museums and we didn't get to do ghost tours but as i understand it ghost tours are a major part of the gettysburg economy <laughs> as well so. they should be because this place be haunted as hell yeah yeah anyway. i'm just going to talk about five different places or so okay uh, i'm going to only briefly touch on them because there's mm. so much and there's such a wealth like this is a this is an audio an audio uh, this is a medium. sound medium. Yeah. And so showing you the pictures, there's some very compelling and very interesting photos that I would encourage you to look up on your own. Ooh, okay. Uh, yeah, maybe we can post some of them if you, uh, sh- if you send them to me. Yeah, I can do that. Okay. Um, so the first place I want to tell you about is the Cash Town Inn. Mm-hmm. The Cash Town Inn is the site of the very first soldier death of <gasps> the Gettysburg fight, the Gettysburg campaign, it's called. Uh, I just wanted to highlight um, that they get photos um, and one of the photos they have captured, it looks clear as day like there is a skeleton in this photo. Oh! They also hear thumping doors, uh, unlocking and locking doors, uh, as well as lights going on and off by themselves. So I I just wanted to highlight them because they thought it was the first soldier soldier death. Uh, One of the other very active locations is the Daniel Lady Farm. Okay, I saw this mentioned briefly. I'm yeah, it's pretty. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's Lady is the final name of like the surname of the family. The final name. Whatever. I know what Last I mean. Last name. Yes. The um, ultimate name. <laughs> Uber name. Anyway. Um, so yes, General Ewell's Corps of Confederate soldiers used that farm as a field museum. Mm. Um, the Daniel Lady Farm, uh, everything was a white woodwork um and the blood was so prolific that it has actually stained the floor in the woodwork um 
Oh boy. Yes. The the lady family themselves had left town uh, in order to, you know, not put up with the violence. See, they were smart, and that's a little bit of foreshadowing. <laughs> yes, I would agree with that. Um, oh, I lost my spot. Okay. Uh, so when the Daniel Lady family returned uh, to find their house, there are gunshot wounds. Uh, gunshot wounds. No, I'm sorry. There are... Gunshot, gun, uh, bullet holes? Bullet holes. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, there are bullet holes in the barn, in the door, through the woodwork. Um, mm. I mean, the house is really decimated. And uh, as they returned to their house... Um, they found that their yard was now filled with graves. Uh, and actually, they did find a, a Confederate soldier who had died, and he was still in one of the bedrooms upstairs. Fuck. Okay, yeah. how would you like to... I mean, you have to you have to take a little unintended vacay from your farm because there's a war. And you come back, and suddenly you're like, surprise, we now live in a cemetery. I don't think it'd be fun for me. Just kidding, would, I'd love it. I but wouldn't like the... I mean, I would... It would be fun in certain ways. Uh, but, yeah, that would be freaky as hell. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't the only uh, location that was treated as a hospital. Um, Gettysburg Seminary, it's a Lutheran seminary that was there, mm-hmm. was also treated as a hospital. Uh, the number of houses of well-to-do farmers were used as hospitals, including the Baldery Inn. Uh, it was a Union Field Hospital. Um, but most of the bodies that are buried there are actually Confederate. Um, A psychic went through uh, to explain some of the disturbances that they'd been having, and she said, well, it's because of the bodies out there. And they're like, well, what are you talking about? And without knowing that there were bodies underneath uh, this stretch of land, they they put down a tennis court. Oh, no. And there are a number of Confederate soldiers who are buried underneath na- they, nameless. Are they seen playing tennis? <laughs> <laughs> no, but they are frequently uh, full-body apparitions in the house. Playing tennis. No, I'm kidding. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. Hmm. Um, which takes us to Sacks Covered Bridge. Okay. Um, Ooh. There is a beautiful tradition of covered, tra- of covered bridges throughout Pennsylvania. Covered bridges. I, I got to tell you, I feel like everyone... Ever, there's a special mystique about covered bridges that yes. everyone who knows anything about historical covered bridges, they're like, mm, that's a covered bridge. Yes. They're, they're a little scary. People are um, obsessed. They are. I think and there's a certain Sleepy Hollowness about it. I think it started with Sleepy Hollow. I also think it's kept up in popular culture. Uh, mm. If you guys have ever seen the movie Beetlejuice. Um, uh, yeah. The, in the, the, what kills the young couple is they accidentally drive through the side of a covered bridge oh. and they plunge into the water below. Um, and then they're in their house for eternity. So yeah, go. covered bridges, kind of spooky. Mm-hmm. Um, Sachs covered bridge is no different. Uh, it was the site of the hanging of deserters from the war. Oh. And they say that it is guarded by those deserters to this day. People feel uncomfortable crossing the bridge. They see full body apparitions and they hear the creaking of the hanging ropes. Oh, I don't like that. Um, You know me. I do. (laughs) So uh, Little Round Top is actually a site on what's considered the the battlefield. Mm -hmm. Um, And Little Round Top... Um, is also called the Valley of Death or the Slaughter Den. It was a, a point between the rocks where Union soldiers holding the high ground could just mow down Confederate soldier after Confederate soldier until the bodies were stacked up six feet high. Oh, God. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Um, so to that end, on the Battle of Gettysburg Field, there is also what's known as the Devil's Den. 
So at Little Round Top, though, um, at Little, I'm sorry, this one, this one's a little bit silly. Um, <laughs> we so, don't have any fun here. Right. This is very serious. Very serious. So at Little Round Top, uh, soldiers who were fighting uh, uh-huh. for the Union side allegedly saw okay. in the heat of battle uh-huh. a new leader oh. give them direction. Was it Jesus? It was George Washington. Oh. <laughs> I was so close. You were. In America, you certainly were. They're basically the same. Was... <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. That's so allegedly, these, these men bullshit. in the height of battle uh-huh. uh, saw George Washington pick up arms beside them and oh. tell them to fight to preserve his union. And uh, that's beautiful. And it like spurred them onward to to this battle. Um, That being said, the things that happened there were pretty dark. Um, A lot of the photographs, if you look up the Valley of Death and the Slaughter Den, because these bodies, fun names. No, they're not. (laughs) Uh, Which also takes us to Devil's Den. Yeah, Devil's Den is another location. Um, Allegedly, Mm. in this location. Yes. Satan himself was on the field of Gettysburg. Okay, so I wasn't far off. No, you really weren't. <laughs> so people are seeing George Washington, people are seeing the devil. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, so uh, um, the the devil's den, he, the devil took the form of the snake and was um, just heightening the evil on the field. Could you imagine um, if there was just like an innocent little snake? There might have been. Like, Dirt, 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 just minding my own snack business. And, right. Oh my God, what is oh, happening? Jesus Christ! <laughs> what are they doing? Yeah. Um. So, so the devil allegedly is there in the form of the snake. It was probably just like a snake. A snake. Yeah. Just probably freaking the fuck out. Right. Like, he was probably terrified. <laughs> um. One interesting thing, though, that I want to talk about, um, is. At Devil's Den, a very common experience of the paranormal is that cameras are attacked. Oh, uh, the batteries are dare. sucked out. Um, they crash to the floor. The lenses break. Things like what? that. Okay, I have to try this now. Yeah. It, um, so one of the reasons that people think this is happening is because immediately following these, the Battle of Gettysburg, um, photographers from different newspapers mm-hmm. and these you know, burgeoning, effectively paparazzi, went to the battlefield and photographed the bodies laying in these pools of blood. Literally the ground. Yeah, this is like the birth of photojournalism. Yes, Matthew Brady. Mm -hmm. Um, The ground is literally, literally, genuinely soaked with blood um, to the point where things had trouble growing in subsequent years because there was so much salt in human blood. Oh, my God. So... Um, Gettysburg, to get the best photographs, these photographers actually, uh, and historians have proven this, uh, Mm. historians see from camera work that different bodies were being positioned. They were being dragged across. You know, Um, that makes sense. You got to get the shot, so you might as well compose it well. Well, and and it was very common for photographers of the era era to shoot dead bodies because those are what made the best portraits. Yeah. So we have these super clear photos mm-hmm. of dead bodies laying in the dirt. Uh, there were, like I said, 46,000 minimum dead bodies. Mm. Uh, and those bodies were not buried in a timely manner. <sighs> Yuck. And so, it's July. It's July. 
Yes, oh. it is. Uh, so it was pretty disgusting. Um, the They think that the bodies who were disturbed in death are the ghosts who are attacking cameras today. Yeah, they're like, you motherfuckers. You just yeah. want, that's all we're good for is just a pretty picture. That's right. I'm more than just a pretty face. <laughs> I have feelings. My face is now bloated I under the hot July I'm sun. In, I'm, I don't know why I'm in a silly mood, but Gettysburg is just, I think it's just delightful. And I don't mean to make it uh, trivial at all. No, but no, it's all right. It's I'm, nice that for once I get to be the straight man. <laughs> yeah. So a lot of the fighting, ironically, actually did take place in a Gettysburg cemetery no <laughs> like they way. were they were fighting amongst the tombstones yeah um and there's actually a sign at the cemetery that said previous to this battle uh anybody who's using firearms is punishable to the full extent of the law <laughs> because it was a place where people would go to do like um cemetery business um uh, was um duels 10 duels 10 dual commandments oh. So, so it be, a sign had to be erected in the cemetery previous to the Battle of Gettysburg. Yeah, that's very considerate of the local surroundings to be like, well, you you may die. There's a chance of this, but if right. you do, you you'll be conveniently placed. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's a big hole. So, uh, these bodies in the cemetery, um, and eventually all around the town of Gettysburg in the field of the Gettysburg campaign, mm-hmm. uh, these bodies do not get buried in a timely manner. They are not brought given proper rights. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes they are just supplied with a piece of wood to yeah. mark that a body is there, but there's no way to identify some of these people who died. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so that brings us to the, what is now the Gettysburg national cemetery, Um, These people basically were buried where they fell as they fell uh, as quickly as possible because things were pretty dire. Um, By November, remember this battle, right? This battle was fought in 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 July, early July. Mm -hmm. Uh By November, it is now cleaned up enough that um, they decide to make the graveyard a national burial ground. So it's a national cemetery. Um, and it was consecrated November 19th. Is that is that what I think you're alluding to? I don't know. A certain famous speech. The Gettysburg Address. <laughs> yes. Um, so the Gettysburg Address was um, a very famous, very short uh, speech given by Abraham Lincoln. Uh, it's only 271 words, although some historians disagree on the exact wording because different news journalists at the time got different renditions. Oh, but they yeah. say large, there's like a largely, here's what it says, sort there's of. There's like a, an agreed upon text that most people memorize in elementary school. Right, school. exactly. Um, so we actually, we it's it's on my, uh, the Abraham Lincoln magnet that I have. Oh, of course, yeah. You know. You know. I I think I think that's I think 271 is a good amount of words. I think most people should stick to that for like um, political speeches or just in general. Yeah, poli- like well, yes, in general. Um, I'm I'm a big believer in brevity. Um, I think Twitter has it right. You should put limits on on things so that it forces you to edit yourself. This is why I write museum labels and not yeah. books. Brevity um, is the soul of wit. Yeah. Well, anyway, um, so Lincoln comes in November. Uh, He's already given, for example, the Emancipation Proclamation. His popularity is at a relative low. Mm. And he comes to consecrate this national cemetery. And in doing so, he gives this short little speech. And it 
it's such a powerful and moving speech um, that it kind of redefines the war goal uh, mm. for for the union and it, it kind of um, ignites people to be interested in this fight again and like this is why this is important let's focus on it um, so I'm going to read it to you briefly because it's okay. just 271 words and you have to deal with me with you. <laughs> okay because a lot of people haven't memorized yeah <laughs> So um, his first stanza is, or, or line, is four score and seven years ago, which is 87 uh, years ago they signed the Declaration of Independence. Forefathers. <laughs> okay, are we going to do this? Yeah. Four score, four score and, seven and seven years, years ago, ago, our father, father brought forth. This is too annoying. We have to stop. <laughs> <laughs> it is annoying. I'm sorry. We I are so, I know, we're so obnoxious. It's fine. Yeah, yeah a lot of kids have this one memorized. Um, but anyway, four score and seven years ago, our fathers brought forth on this continent a new nation, conceived in liberty and dedicated to the proposition that all men are created equal. So much for that, though. Um, now we are engaged in a great civil war, testing whether that nation or any nation so conceived and so dedicated can long endure. We are met on the great battlefield of that war. We have come to a come to dedicate a portion of that field as a final resting place for those who gave their lives uh, that the nation might live. It is altogether and fitting and proper that we should do this. But in a larger sense, we cannot dedicate, we cannot consecrate, we cannot hollow this ground. The brave men living and dead who struggled here have consecrated it far above our poor power to add or detract. The world will little note nor long remember what we say here, but it can never forget what they did here. It is for us that the living rather to be dedicated here to the unfinished work which those who have fought here have thus far so nobly advanced. It is rather for us to be here dedicated to the great task of remaining before us. I'm sorry, to the great task remaining before us, that from these honored dead, we take the increased devotion to the cause for which they gave the last full measure of their devotion, that we here highly resolve that these dead shall not have died in vain, that this nation under God shall have a birth, a new birth of freedom, and that government of the people, by the people, and for the people shall not perish from the earth. Mm. And that's kind of the American ideal. I think that should be like that's our national anthem right there. And I think um, I think that's... we just need to record Tom Hanks reading it, Ooh. Um, put Ooh. some good score under that, and just call that a day. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I completely agree. Um, I think it's a great speech. I think Lincoln is a hero. Um, and yeah, fighting to preserve the Union and also to dedicate that all men are created equal and that all men in this country should be free yeah. uh, is pretty noble ideal of what America is supposed to be. We fail a lot. We get it wrong a lot. There's a great deal mm -hmm. of irony in that. Yeah. Um, but I like that there are a lot of people who are still dedicated to trying. I like that it has kind of a vibe of like, hey, this is what we're trying to do. Here we are. We're doing our best. <laughs> Some of us are anyway. All right. So... That's my half. Little All overview right. of the Civil War, little overview of Gettysburg, and like a mm. light haunting here and there. A light haunting. That's what I like. There you go. <laughs> okay. Uh, so I um, I just want to you, – you covered most of the important um, background information. Oh, sorry. Um, no, no, no. That's fine. Um, but I, I did want to just briefly mention how like uh, a few notes about Gettysburg itself – um, it's a small town. I, I, I knew that it wasn't like a huge metropolis, but like the population is uh, 
like 7,600 as of 2010. So still a small town. Um, wow. And if you look at it on the map, uh, it is, I wasn't kidding when I said that, like, the Gettys, the Battle of Gettysburg is their main uh, economy. <laughs> because, well, yeah, who can blame them? I mean, what else, yeah. you know? What else do they have going? No. Um, yeah, so it's The, it's the enormity of Gettysburg cannot be understated. Like, how many people fucking died there yeah. is a big deal. And also the ramifications of on the larger war itself. Mm-hmm. Like, of course. You it know, was a very important battle, and they uh, definitely capitalize it on it as they should. It's their main claim to fame. Yeah. And... That's and when you look at when you look at the map, you can see not only just like oh here's a lot of museums, but like the the historical battlegrounds essentially it completely encircle the the city, yes, um, or town. Um, so yeah, it, it's very this battle is very important to Gettysburg history. Um, it was founded in 1761, um, so like just over a hundred years before the battle. Um, and it was in, originally intended as kind of a crossroads town between the Philadelphia, Pittsburgh, and Chippensburg, Baltimore um, routes. They kind of intersect right in Gettysburg. Um, and at the uh, at the time of the battle, it was they had like 450 buildings that were mainly like inns, taverns, shoemakers, tanneries, that kind of thing, uh, where you get shoes, I guess. Uh, yep, boots. So, so there you go. That's it was. It wasn't, like, a huge target, but like you said, they had certain things that they wanted. Also, um, some people think that General Lee was trying to capture uh, Harrisburg, the capital of Pennsylvania. Which yeah, is... he was going after any of the major northern Pennsylvania cities Yeah, uh, by whatever means he could get there. But the boots were important enough mm-hmm. that he decided to stop as a little, like, side quest. Sure. Um, yeah, and then it just happened that um, the Union Army or the Army of the Potomac, who is uh, led by uh, General General Joseph Hooker, um, but <laughs> le- yeah, <laughs> um, but later by the time of the battle, uh, led by George Meade, um, they intersected them at Gettysburg, and so it wasn't like they were like planning like oh we're gonna have a battle here, but that's just kind of where yeah. They where everybody clashed mm-hmm. yeah um and i i just wrote that from from wikipedia um i had uh estimated it was about ninety five thousand union troops versus seventy five thousand confederates so confederates were super outnumbered or mm-hmm. i mean there's still a lot of them but you know well um, but if you're outnumbered and the other group has the high ground yeah you know yeah um have you ever heard the rebel yell as a side note? Um, I haven't. And that mm-hmm. was that was something that got brought up in the Ken Burns documentary. Yeah. Um, he They said that, uh, let's see. Okay, so one union writer mm-hmm. said the rebel yell gave him a feeling, a corkscrew feeling of fear down his spine. Mm-hmm. And that one of the surviving generals of the Confederacy was asked um, at a party because the ladies had never heard the rebel yell if he could um if he could perform it and he was said he said that uh he was it's impossible to do unless you're at a run on an empty belly mm yeah that's uh 
That's pretty notable. I think, um, so David, I was actually talking to David about this because David for sometimes will ask me what we're talking about <laughs> on our podcast. Um, and, you know, we we're he's somewhat interested in military history. And we were basically talking about the difference between like two different philosophies of warfare where um, there's usually the, the better trained, uh, you know, better equipped, a larger force is you know that's what they rely on is just the sheer force of their training and their numbers to be intimidating mm-hmm. right um, and if you're not on that side if you're the underdog you kind of have to rely on just scaring the hell out of the other side <laughs> yeah so. we saw that in the american revolution mm-hmm. yeah we used a lot of did. mythos and and yeah. guerrilla warfare tactics warfare. yeah it's all about uh, we know we can't beat you on the open field in in the usual way, so we're gonna just try to scare you so that we kind of throw him off his rhythm. To quote, uh, <laughs> <John> <laughs> <laughs> so I believe there is one recording of uh, Confederate veterans doing a rebel yell, and I think it was done in the 1930s as like a new uh, New Deal thing oh. project. So it does exist, um, but as as you were saying, um, I don't I don't think you really get the full effect of it when it's it's a bunch of old guys and they're not like in the heat of battle. So right, and you feel safe. Yeah, it's kind of alarming, but it's not like you know terrifying as I feel like it really would have been. Um, yeah. So anyway, that's that's yeah. I think that aside. was one of the other quotes from the Ken Burns documentary. They said. Anybody who said that they heard it and they and also said that they weren't afraid didn't really mm-hmm. hear it. Yeah. Yeah, so that would be an interesting uh, thing to be transported back in time to witness. Um, anyway, I'm not going to really talk about uh, the battle because my main story has to do with a civilian. Um, so you were saying before that there were quite a few civilian casualties of the quite Civil War. Quite a few. Um, did you know that uh, at the Battle of Gettysburg, there was exactly one civilian casualty? I did not know that there were even any. Yes. Well, there was one. Um, because uh, the battle was kind of fought like all over town, basically. Mm-hmm. So if you um, are the lady family, um, you are smart enough to get out of town. And I say smart enough, that's kind of relative. Like, you can do what you can, and some people just can't. Um. Right. The lady family was wealthy. They were wealthy farmers. And so they had the resources to leave Mm -hmm. the area. Um, Kind of like in the aftermath of Hurricane Katrina. I was just thinking of that. Yeah. The New Orlanders. Mm -hmm. New Orleans? No. Yeah. Yes. Jesus. Sorry. I'm, like, really fried today, guys. Um, anyway, (laughs) if you were wealthy in New Orleans, uh, then you were able to largely get the hell out of Dodge as Hurricane Katrina bore down. But people who lived in the Ninth Ward did not have the money or the resources. They didn't have access to cars. Public transportation was shut down. Um, and so they did the best that they could. And frequently that meant that they died. Yeah. So I, I... I kind of take back uh, the statement of they were smart uh, because that's not really, that doesn't really uh, cover. What well, and I'm really being a downer too. I know what you mean. Anyway, um, we're trying to keep things fun and light on our podcast about dead people in the Civil War. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, so anyway, so uh, the person I'm talking about, uh, which uh, people who are familiar with the ghosts of Gettysburg probably already know, but I'm talking about Jenny Wade. Um she was in addition name, to being a civilian she was also female 
Yeah, yeah. So her her full name is Mary Virginia Wade. Um, Jenny is a derivative of Virginia. Virginia. Um, so she was she was about twenty years old at the time, um, and lived in Gettysburg with her mother, uh, three brothers, two sisters. And uh, so she and her mother worked as uh, seamstresses out of their home. Um, they also cared for a local family, uh, a local family's disabled son named Isaac. Um, so, yeah, they were kind of uh, just making ends meet, doing the best they can. Um, when the battle starts on July 1st, um, they are, you know, when things kind of start heating up, uh, troops start arriving in town and making their camp they start kind of looking around and looking at where they are versus where the troops are and they kind of make a judgment call that um where their house is on their side of town is probably not the safest place to be so they actually go across town um to the home of the oldest wade sister georgia mcclellan okay um who is you know married and and lived with her husband um on the other side of town and she also had just given birth to a son a few days prior to the battle so georgia or jenny georgia did okay Uh, jenny is unmarried um but i think engaged is um the story sad so yeah so they go over to georgia's house to help out um with the baby um and be on what they think is the safer side of town um but uh, later on the first day of the battle, I guess, um, they find them, they quickly find themselves in the thick of the battle and in oh. the middle of gunfire. Oh, um, no. Yeah, the battle had shifted and was now being fought, like, literally around their house. And uh, you can look up, um, it's called the Jenny Wade House. It wasn't technically her house, but it is now known as the Jenny Wade House. Um, it is still standing, and it is now a museum um, that you can visit in uh, Gettysburg. And so you can you can Google that and see kind of where it is. It is pretty close to where the action, uh, where all the other sites, <laughs> historical markers are. So you can kind of tell where they were. Um, so because they are in the thick of things, um, they're kind of doing the best they can to stay safe. Um, but because they're also, uh, you know, citizens of Pennsylvania and citizens of the Union, they are doing what they can to support the Union troops. Um, so Jenny was helping by bringing food and water to the Union soldiers um, while she could, while still caring for her older sister and her baby nephew. Um, they realized at the end of the first day that 150 bullets had hit their home throughout the day. Yeah. So this sounds terrifying. <laughs> Can you imagine that? Yeah. Like imagine that you're in your house and mm. it's like you're used to this like quiet small town life. Yeah, for sure. And then all of a sudden there's an actual battle mm-hmm. happening outside mm-hmm. your home. Yeah. I can't even imagine 150 that. bullets. And that's just the ones that hit the house. That's not counting all the ones that were fired right by the house. Wow. So that must have been terrifying. I can't imagine being Georgia and being like, here's my infant son. I probably can't get out of bed. So I think I would have marched my ass out there and been like, hey, the baby is trying to sleep. Oh, my God. Yeah, I didn't even think about that. Imagine trying to get that baby to sleep. I uh, I was a nanny for a long time. And mm-hmm. 
I, for the most part, am fairly non-confrontational. Like, I have a long fuse and I don't yell at people typically. Yeah. Um, but Sienna was sleeping uh, as a baby in a park mm-hmm. and these kids were getting mouthy and loud and I was like, can it! And they were like five years older than me. Ooh. <laughs> and I was just like, I'm going to get my ass kicked someday. Yeah. But it didn't, yeah. it was fine. They, I'm, I have teacher voice, so. I have done that occasionally and I call that my RA voice. Oh, nice. Because I have experience. Settle down. Telling people to be quiet professionally. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you would have been have, a brilliant librarian. I have done that to my neighbors on occasion. Not my not my current ones, but previous ones that uh-huh. were fucking lunatics. Um, and yeah, I, th- I remember distinctly uh, the night... Or the the night after we found all found out that Prince died. <laughs> Did they have like a purple rain party? Literally, my neighbor came home like 3 a.m. Drunk or and or high and started playing purple rain like top, top volume. And I got so mad. Yep. I marched. I marched over there and I was like, can you turn that down? That's that's not an interesting story. Um, so I like it. That's all to say um, that yeah, it was probably pretty loud, and they probably couldn't uh, really keep that baby asleep. Yeah, it's terrible. So, uh, so the battle continues over the course of the next two days. Um, on the third, they are able to uh, go outside briefly and collect firewood uh, during a break in the in the all the gunfire. Um, yeah, but then, you know, it kicks back up again and they go back inside and uh, uh, they spend some time studying scripture, as the sources say. Um, and then uh, Jenny starts to uh, knead some dough in the kitchen um, because she's pre- pre- bleh, preparing to make uh, bread for the troops. And uh, she actually was like trying her best to stay safe at this time. She kind of like positioned herself not where she usually would in the kitchen, but she kind of takes the the kneading breadboard um, to like a kind of the corner. That's and she like opens the door behind her so that she's kind of like has a layer between her like behind her back. Yeah. Um, and she's um uh, standing there kneading bread, and when suddenly a bullet broke through two doors, what? And hit her in the back and entered. Threw her back into her heart, killing her instantly. Oh, thank God for that. Yeah. If you're gonna uh, go, that's the way to go. That yeah, was a yeah. that was a kindness. Yeah, for by real. fate. I, yeah. Um. So, yeah, she. Oh, I I also um oh, I skipped a part where just like minutes before that, a bullet had come through a window and lodged itself into the wall inches away from Georgia and the baby. Oh. So things were. Harry. Um, God, I can't even like. I literally can't imagine the kind of trauma that that produces. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can't imagine. Um, so Georgia lets out a scream and alerted the Union soldiers outside. Uh, they came in and escorted the family um, outside. Or some sources also say they went down into the basement and they like uh, laid Jenny's body out on a bed in the basement. I don't know why they weren't all there to begin with. Um, right. But- <laughs> Um, so yeah, they kind of, you know uh, what, if it were me, I wouldn't want to be in the basement in case the Confederate set fire to the house. That's a good point. It is a brick house. Um, so that, but the floorboards would have been wood. The floorboards would have been wood, but yeah, I think, 
I don't know. I feel like I feel like the Confederates would have been like a little more preoccupied and not like purposely burning the whole town down. I don't I don't know that they did that. Um but I guess oh. there's always a chance. <laughs> yeah, I so. it's something that would have occurred to me as something to be afraid of. Um, yeah, also, I guess it's like when there's bullets flying everywhere outside and also bullets flying inside. Mm-hmm. But they also might burn down your house. It's like, where do you go? Well, and on top situation? of that, the the war itself, by the third day, the people of the town said they weren't sure who won. Mm, you know, yeah. like they couldn't tell which side had been victorious. Yeah. I bet you wouldn't want to go outside because then you'd be like, well, I don't want to get caught by a winning Confederate side. Right. But then also the Confederate side might just burn down the whole town just for funsies, which uh, the North did. <laughs> so <Yep. laughs> it's, it's hard to say what you would do in that situation. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so she's, uh, they are escorted by Union soldiers to safety um, and the rest of the family survives the rest of the battle. Um, and so. Uh, Poor the, Jenny. I know. Right? Like, how much does that suck? And you're 20 years old. You're, like, right on the cusp of your prime. Engaged. <laughs> Finally about to leave your mom's house. Uh, <laughs> Get that sweet vitamin D. Yes. Uh. Um, so, yeah, she. Through uh, two wooden doors, though. And we doors. aren't talking like builder's craft doors. Like, like these are solid wood doors. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. They weren't like richy rich, so like. Right, but they didn't have hollow door thick, technology, right? Yeah, like, it was solid wood. It was solid wood. It might not have been like thick, thick wood. Right, but right. It was, yeah. Um, I believe it was also like one of those mini balls too. So it like probably, I don't know. Yeah. Did some damage. But yeah. she was dead instantly. So it's instantly okay. is... She's Not actually kind She's of dead. lucky. Yeah. Yeah. She certainly yeah. would have suffered less than the soldiers who, for example, got field amputations. Yes. Yeah. She didn't, like, slowly bleed out or anything. So, right. there's that. Um, so the South retreated on July 4th, uh, which is kind of ironic, um, uh, or a notable day. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so as they're leaving, uh, the Union troops are still around, and... Mary, the mother, uh, serves 15 loaves of bread to the Union soldiers um, made from the dough that Jenny had been kneading when she was killed. Sad. I know. I can't imagine being... Oh, that must be so devastating. Um, so soldiers um, help the family out by temporarily burying Jenny's body in the backyard in a coffin that had originally been intended for Confederate General William Barksdale. Really? So there's that. Um, they're like, you are a big meanie and on the other side, so we're going to give your coffin to this nice uh, lady. Right. Well, and I'm sure, you know, like with her family watching, they probably mm. wanted to bury her a little quicker. Yeah. Barksdale was far away from home. Exactly. Yeah. Barksdale's family is not around to, like, stand Be over Be devastated. Them. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Look at them in their face. Um, yeah. So, <sighs> Terrible. Yeah. Um, she Woody was, Guthrie said war is unhealthy for people and other living creatures and other living creatures and I think that's true yeah war sucks we shouldn't do it um, there certainly are better ways to solve conflicts today yeah I don't know if that's always been true like I'm not going to say every war was an evil war um, I I won't say that there's that oh all of this could have been avoided 
Um, but I will say that there's a, a story about um, a European battle that was about to take place. Uh, two armies were all set up, ready to go. And the mistresses of the kings or the generals or something got together, worked it out. Battle didn't happen. Just saying. Okay, so the very first United States Congresswoman. Yeah. Her, she represented Montana and her name was Jeanette Rankin. And she is quoted frequently. She was one. She was one of the only people who voted against the U.S. entrance into World War One and Two. I think. Okay. I think she served for both. And um, she said, uh, "War and destruction is men's duty, so peace must be that of women." Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm not saying that if women were in charge, that we wouldn't ever have a war. I'm just saying that we probably would have had fewer. Yep. Mm-hmm. So women are better. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> uh, uh, fuck the patriarchy. And right. Th- this is what you get. Um, no. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So she was buried originally in the backyard. Um, that was very temporary. She was later moved to the German Reformed Church Cemetery. Okay. And two I, which I think after- is just a fancy term for Lutheran, German Reform. Yeah, probably. Um, and then two years later in 1865, she was moved again to the Evergreen Cemetery. I don't know why I said that weird. The Evergreen Cemetery, where she has remained ever since. Um, and there is a monument over her grave um, and an American flag that flies at all times. And fun fact, apparently the only other woman uh, with that honor is Betsy Ross. No way. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. So um, and 20 years after Jenny's death, her mother, Mary, was awarded a pension by the U.S. Senate um, since she had been killed while serving the Union because she was baking bread. Baking bread at the time. Yeah. That's very interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, so, again, as we always famously say, this, is, this podcast is haunted, and so we have to include some ghost stories. Um, this house is um, obviously very famously haunted. Um, apparently... Uh, so when I, when I was saying that um, she was engaged, um, she was uh, apparently engaged to a man, a Union soldier named uh, Johnson or Johnston Jack Skelly. Okay. Um, he had tragically been seriously wounded two weeks prior to Jenny's death. Sad. And she didn't know about it yet because the news hadn't reached her. And so she she was killed. And then a week or so later, he dies, also not knowing that his fiance had died because he had not heard the news. All right. So, so a little bit, that's romantic. Right? Like a little bit. It's like you can imagine a movie uh, where they're just like, oh, tragic star-crossed lovers that never get to be together because they both die and never so close to each other, but they don't learn about each other's death. And then they but- can be together. But yeah, but also they also are not saddled with the pain of the other one's death. That's true. Yeah. You know, like they get to be comforted. It's probably best if like to just die thinking like, yeah, my fiance is fine. Yeah. Like I'd prefer that, I think. No, yeah, absolutely. I mean, like not to be morbid, Mm -hmm. but as you know, I almost died twice this year. Yep. And uh, as you know, that was happening. I was like, well, at least Dan will be okay. And I like... Kind of mm. told Dan, I was like, all right, here are my friends who you're allowed to date when I'm dead. Oh. Dan didn't like that conversation at all. 
I feel I imagine that would be a very weird conversation. Um also yeah, I don't know. Um, but you know, I just I nobody can say I'm unorganized. Right, right. I'm I'm just kind of laughing that that's what you were thinking about at the time. Well, um, and as you recall a few days before I went to the hospital, I was telling you guys you should pick which one of my TRs you wanted. Yeah. Yeah, because that's a that's a choice I want to be making. It's like, mm, okay, let's see. Let's really think about this right now. I mean, Jen, somebody has said, to. I will, Meg. I will uh, come in with my sticky notes later. So Thank you. Thank you. Because <laughs> you never know. Ah, that's morbid. Okay. So, boop, boop, boop. So they both die, and they don't know that each other dies, which is good, I guess, for them. Um, so naturally other people think that's also kind of romantic and so there's this rumor that's going around that's going everyone's talking about it no um but (laughs) there apparently is a thing where so the door that was shot through is still in the house Uh and you can still see the bullet hole and so there's a thing where if you place your finger in the hole of one of the doors that the bullet went through you will become engaged soon after. Okay. I think that's weird. That's a little weird. Yeah. Um, I don't know how big a thing it is there. Like, I don't know if all the tour guys are like, okay, ladies, stick your finger in the hole. Maybe what? a man will propose to you. Uh, yeah, I think that's weird. Um, but also, if it works, let me know. Right. Yes. Just out of curiosity. Um, I'm sure it is nothing. Um, So, boop, boop, boop. It is a museum that you can visit. They do a lot of tours um, where you can see what life is like in the 19th century, etc., in the middle of the Battle of Gettysburg. They... um, most of the furniture there is like just period appropriate it's not original to the house except one of the artifacts that they do have is the breadboard that she was kneading dough on that's cool yeah so i would like to visit there yeah Um, add it to our train list yes yes oh that's what we're gonna do we're gonna do a train tour across america and canada uh and we're just gonna stop and see haunted places um that sounds magnificent. Yeah. We got to wait till I get a new kidney, but That's okay. Fine. I can wait. Um, Shouldn't take too long. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, also, the, the, there are still bloodstained floors um, in the kitchen where she fell. Blood is remarkably hard to get out of wood. I guess so. I didn't really realize. Um, but That iron gets in through the cellulose. Mm, yuck. <laughs> so, yeah, we'll have to take a look at that. Um, and so, uh, obviously, a lot of people think that her spirit is haunting the place. Um, there are several um, ghost hunting shows that have gone there. There are copious uh, online blogs about, like, oh, we did a, we did an investigation there. There's a lot of videos of light anomalies, which I do not care for, because I think that they are dust and or bugs. Right. Um, that's my general opinion on orbs. You can have a different opinion, but I think I'm right. Um, so <laughs> there are also a lot of there's a lot of EVP uh, recordings, and I thought about trying to find one that was good, but 
Uh, I think I'll just let you uh, Google those on your own. Yeah, there's quite a bit out there, guys. There's a lot out there. I honestly got quite overwhelmed looking for material to share with you guys Mm -hmm. to the point where I was just like, fuck it. They can Google it themselves. This is just too much. Yeah, it's kind of it's it's so much that you're like, well, but that at the same time for the Jenny Wade house, I felt like all of the the individual examples were just with EVPs. It's like they're very freaky. But when you just play them in complete isolation, it's just like a muffled like, hey, right. (laughs) And uh, it's not good about podcasting, I don't think. So anyway, you can find them um, on YouTube and in other various places on the Internet. Um, But also there have been many uh, witnesses who have claimed to see her walk through the home. Other people have spotted her walking through the countryside. So I think, I think if there's um a very compelling story of a reason why her spirit might not be completely at rest, and I think for sure, probably I I would believe that that place is 100 percent haunted. I'm not yes. I'm not discounting that at all. I think for sure. I think it's hard to get concrete evidence of that, and I think even if you do, it's hard to convince other people that that's real. So right. That's all I'm saying. I think those are very valid. We run a paranormal podcast. It's not like we don't believe in ghosts. Right. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Uh, I tend to think that the personal live experiences are a lot more compelling than just reading about it on the internet. So anyway. So that's the story of Jenny Wade, the only civilian casualty of the Battle of Gettysburg. I love it. Do we have a listener story? We can find one. It can be surprisingly a little difficult to find a good one. Yeah. Just because you have to wade through a lot of stuff. Okay. Um, so this is from Heather K. Okay. And it's called Listener Story 9001. Whoa. You said that I... many? No. Um, it's a bit it's it's we're it's broken up nicely so here we go Mm -hmm. um hi hi i put your podcast on just for background noise a years a year ago and i became a faithful listener you guys are definitely worth my money and time ah thanks thank you uh so i'm listening to the curse episode and i thought i'd share with you a quick blip of my life i have really bad social anxiety i can type to you all day uh all day long but face to face i shut down because i get anxious fucking same girl yeah yeah well, not okay. I don't get anxious, but I surround no, myself don't. with anxious people. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. You are a uh, you're a safe haven for the socially anxious because you break through it. <laughs> it's because welcome. I don't need anybody's help to carry on a conversation. Yes, yes. <laughs> you sit in the same room with me. We're having a conversation, whether you like it or not. And I very much appreciate that. Yeah, I'm one of those extroverts who adopts introverts. Mm. Anyway, um, and that worked out great for us because now we have a podcast. <laughs> yeah. So back to Heather. Um, so she has really bad social anxiety. She gets anxious. I went to go see a therapist at the beginning of 2019, oh. and I chose to see an occult therapist at the suggestion of a friend. Ooh. I didn't even know that was a thing, but apparently I it is. Either. Neither did I. And I also, can therapist. we please get one on the show? Yeah, I want to. But I was just saying, I want to talk to a therapist who's like just casually like, okay, that's interesting. Let's do a reading about that. Yes. Um, so, after seeing her for two months, she, she suggested that I communicate with a colleague of hers who is also a psychic. Mm. She did not advertise that fact about herself. She was advertised as a psychologist. Okay. Long story short, we have a session with her. She asked to sit in on a couple more sessions and gave me a... Hold on, I have to Google it or I'll call it Lamar. 
I'm sorry, this is funny. <laughs> it's a Larimer stone oh. uh, to help with my anxiety and some depression. On the third time of sitting of her sitting in, she took the stone from me, and as soon as it left my hand and touched her, she very loudly said, "Oh, well, that's interesting." And she oh. dropped it on the table and uh. picked it up with a Kleenex, and she was like, "Care to?" What? And I was like, "Care to share?" Yeah, that would be terrifying. This is the best ever. Okay. Um, okay, so. She then lets me know that I'm an open energy and do have a small amount of psychic abilities that felt old, like it was from a family line, Mm. which was pretty much confirmed for me by the women of my family over the years of my life. So I wasn't surprised to hear it again. Okay. Also, I have a dark attachment. Insert dramatic pause here. That's that's what she wrote. She's quite funny. Oh, God, I love this. Okay. He has been with me since I was six years old. Oh. That he preyed on me as a child and planned to possess me, but then became more of a protector. He was human, okay. but was a dark I soul. I still don't like that narrative. <laughs> same. Same. Uh, dark soul, very angry, very cruel, and hateful. Mm-hmm. I was terrified because when she said it, I remembered exactly the first time we, he and I, had interacted. No. Which, if you're interested, I will def tell you about. Yes. Yes, we are. Yes. But, oh, God. Okay. <laughs> Um, she let me know that he has tried to let himself be known to me after I experienced a trauma. And I thought about the weird things that happened that made more sense now. She let me know another specific event where he tried to physically interact with me and my dogs. And again, I remembered the instance. But here's the bad bit. Oh, no. That's the, wait, that wasn't the bad bit. Nope. And then she wrote in parentheses, long story short, my ass. <laughs> She let me know that he has attacked people in my life, that oh. he has given me nightmares and fed off the anxiety, which she did glimpse when she touched the crystal. He's mm. a powerful, dark attachment. When I asked what could be done about him and how I could cleanse myself of him, I can't. We've been together for 23 years, and I have unknowingly bonded pieces of our souls. No. Cleansing him from my soul would possibly trigger more depression and not a manageable, de- manageable depression that I was used to. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Long story even longer. I've had an ex confirm. I've had an old roommate's confirm. And now that I'm reaching the 10th year of my relationship, my boyfriend is experiencing, quote, strange things. For example, we got in a screaming match and during it, he started to choke, which was a quick way to start an argument. I thought it was a quick way to start an argument, the faker. Afterwards, he said that it felt like someone grabbed him by his neck from behind. Oh, my God. But he's a faker. So that's what I debunk that as. My best friend of the last 15 years has let me know things about her being a complete skeptic. Uh. Um, the things that she let me know made my whole body go cold. Oh. Sorry, sorry, sorry. I promise me and he have tons of stories that are not this long, but I figured I'd open the door. Sincerely, yeah. your spooky motherfucker. Sorry, Jen's mom, Heather uh-huh. Nicole. Whoa! That was fantastic. Okay. That's... I've never heard of anything like that. That's so uncomfortable, but also, like, I guess, I don't know. I don't know. I want to know more things. Yeah. Wow. Wow. What a great piece to end on. Yeah. That's creepy. All right. Well, Jeffrey, you have a date with sushi, and I have a date with the dialysis machine, so... And we have some patrons to thank. (gasps) Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. I'll let you do that one. They deserve to hear your beautiful dulcet tones. Oh. oh no! Did you hear that Wisconsin O? Yeah, tones? I did. <laughs> sorry, 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 sorry. I'm tired. <laughs> I'm gonna You're go out for a raid in the, the boat. Wisconsin comes out. 
Well, I can't drink anymore, so. Yeah. Oh, uh, now I've made myself sad. Uh-oh, it's... Okay, here we go. We're good. Okay. Do, do, do. <sighs> Come on, internet. I'm, I'm sorry. I don't know why it's being a dick out there. Ah, it's okay. It's so weird that you're just, like, effectively 30 feet from me. I know. <laughs> soon. Soon and very soon we will be together. Okay, it is... It's not loading. Why don't you do it? Okay. Um, Let me bring it up on my side. Mm-hmm. Uh, is it part of our email? So if you go to our email, there's, there's like a category called patrons we need to thank. Okay. All right. So we've got three of them. Okay. Oh, okay. So the first one we know, her name is Marin L. Hey, thank you. Hey. <laughs> Hey, we friends with you. Hmm. Uh, we also need to thank Mar- Mason Woods. Okay, thank you. Unsure Mason. if Mason Woods is a male name or a female name, but they're cool. Mm-hmm. And then finally, Carrie Myers. Thank you so much, everybody. Thank you, Carrie. Yeah, you guys rule. Uh, very genuinely, and we've said it before, and we'll say it again. Y'all are keeping the podcast going. Keeping us alive. Letting Danny edit. You are, I believe, funding uh, Danny's cat to live their best life. Um, Yep. Her name is Princess, and she deserves it. Yes. So uh, every dollar you donate to us, uh, about a third of it goes to Princess. So. Yeah. Actually, honestly, probably by the end of it, it's like slightly more than a third of it, but still. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, But we really appreciate it. Um, Donate now to help uh, a cat uh, maintain her lavish life. Um, It's so spoiled. (laughs) I love her. But that's whatever. Hey, whatever uh, entices you to donate. Um, we all we do monthly videos there that are occasionally on topic. Um, yeah, we just did one about the Ice Age and I very much enjoyed it. Very much not on topic. but No, but it was still fun. <laughs> yeah, it was a lot of fun. Uh, we'll have to figure out what we're doing this month. There's still time. Yeah. Um, but you can find us at patreon.com slash this podcast is haunted. Um, and you can find us on social media at the places listed below. Um, and we will be back in a fortnight. Excuse me. That was a secret burp. I'm 30. Um, <laughs> you started talking through burps now, John? <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, that's what I'm doing now. <laughs> so, uh, do you want to say it or do you want me to say it? You say it, babe. Okay. We'll see you in a fortnight. Until then, stay spooky, motherfuckers! Woo!